Hey guys, what's up? This is Matt Young, and I have my co-host here, Resonant. Skr, skr, skr. This is the Hip Hop Entrepreneurs Podcast, Episode 2. Today, we are going to be talking about how to make money as a music producer. So, of course, I have my main man here, my co-host, Resonant, the master music producer, who's going to be talking all about it with us today. He's going to be breaking it down. He's going to be talking about how he networks, how he gets his music distributed, and how he makes a living from it so he can continue to do it. So without further ado, I want to get into this. Resonant, what's up? What's up, dude? What's up, dude? I appreciate you having me on the show, even though I'm the co-host. Like, you know, there may be a chance that you don't want me on the show, which we haven't gotten to that point. Yeah, in the very near future. But, you know, um, before the growing pains start, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here, man. I definitely have a lot, of talk, lot to talk about in this regard because essentially it's my life, you know, so I can talk a lot about my life. Um, and just stuff around it and stuff. So, yeah. Um, do you want to hear how it started or like, yeah. how should we start? Tell me all about it. So, I mean, i you're my co-host. I work with you. We co-founded a music production company together. I want you to tell the story though, from your own eyes. When I think of how it started, obviously you have roots going back to playing guitar and all that kind of jazz, but jazz, all that jazz, yeah, yeah, <laughs> hip hop, hip hop. All that hip-hop. Yeah, there you go. When I think of where it started, I think of you in the frat house dorm room. Yes, there is a frat house, and I was in back a in dorm Knoxville. room. Back in Okay, yeah, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, shout out to the 865 area code. Definitely, I went through a lot in there, um, good and bad. So I, uh, for my junior year of college at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville, I was a uh, brother for a fraternity called Alpha Epsilon Pi. And we just got our, fr- our fraternity house for the first time ever, well, in a while, in a really long time since that chapter was um, brought back to campus. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, they were, they did have a house before. When it just started up, right? Yeah, but, you know, drama happened. Yeah, I, I could go into details, but yeah, so I, um, I'd say midway, I, uh, I had certain experiences that made me want to believe that there's more to just making shitty beats on FL Studio. Like what? Making more shitty beats, but getting paid for it. <laughs> um, so it started out as shitty beats, right? Because in the end of the day, I think just, you know, major key, if you look back on your stuff and you think it's bad, that means you set a bar and you've surpassed that bar. So we're, we're talking about where you came from. Right. Just for the record, for everybody listening right now, where you are currently, the reason why this is important and where you came from is because of the ethos of where you are right now. Oh. We should probably call this, right, instead of how to make money as a music producer, the first steps in making money as a music producer, because you were telling me you didn't want to, you know, feel like you were fronting or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there is there is something to be said for somebody who is figuring it out mm-hmm. and taking steps in the right direction. So where you are right now is you make at least one beat every single day. Mm-hmm. You distribute it on multiple platforms. You go on Instagram, you go on YouTube, is there anywhere else you're distributing them right now? Um, well, I mean, they're on BeatStars. BeatStars, yeah. We do have a track train, but I don't, I don't think we're distributing them no, on there yet. We're not putting anything on track train. So, Spotify, all that stuff. So you're, you're putting out new content every single day. Yeah. And on top of that, you're talking with what? 30 new people every single day? Oh man, if that, like, I mean, it, I've, sometimes there's a lot more. It, um, it depends on how many people I reach out during the day. Um, I reach out to a lot of people and I, uh, I listen to their music and I give my honest two cents on them. 
because what I've realized is that realness goes a lot further than fake niceness. Just being genuine. Mm-hmm. So you also just just establishing some uh, some ethos here. You've sold uh, you sold your first exclusive the other week. Yeah, and you've sold probably somewhere between fifteen and twenty licenses, something uh, like that. Just about. I mean, it's gotten to the point where I I'm starting to lose count. Mm-hmm. Just because at first, you know, I definitely knew when I sold that beat. I definitely knew, oh wow, I sold one beat. But when it just becomes part of the regular, it it doesn't give as much of an emotional response as it did the first time. Yeah, well, those numbers are really just from the last month because that's when you just started really ramping up your efforts and trying yeah. to get more into the monetary, the financial side of things. Yeah. So I, I mean, before that, and I, I was looking at the numbers the other day too, right? It was forty six free downloads from the Somewhere Beatstars account, that, yeah. And I'm not even counting all of the all the free downloads from before the last month or two when you really started going hard on this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah precisely. And um, I think that's a good indicator, right? Because it's not always about the money. That's forty three potential relationships. Yeah, the free beats. The fact that people were able to work with me and not have to invest money in it, as counterintuitive as as it might be, and you know, whereas my some producers might approach it with an ego, those forty three people, when they get their money, which producer are they going to invest with? Yeah, it's going to be the guy who was hooking them up in the start. The guy. I hope so. Yeah. So this is this is starting to get into the uh, the main content that I want to talk about. Huh. So I, I did want to establish a little bit of like where you are, that you're making moves, that you've worked with. Probably a hundred people, I'm gonna say, with uh, with all the free downloads, with all of the licenses, with the exclusive beat, and all that kind of jazz. Yeah. So let's let's go back. Let's talk about the story coming up a little bit more. So you were in the frat house. Uh-huh. It was like concrete walls. You didn't have any soundproofing or anything on the walls. You had. I did a, have something on the walls. Mold. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's that's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so you were working on a laptop. Yeah. And that laptop was from like 1983, not actually 1982. Oh, okay. it was a Lisa. How how did you get to a point though where you know you were in this situation? You didn't have the environment. Uh-huh. You didn't have the equipment. How did you go from a situation like that to where you are now, where you have dozens of people hitting you up every day, and you're reaching out to dozens of people every day? How does how did you make that transition? Well. I, I'm going to be completely real with you. It was ever since sophomore year of college, certain traumatic events that I, I, deci- I decided right now not to elaborate on, um, they have made me turn beat making into a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So every time I make a beat, I lose myself. I feel like there's nothing else in the world and I'm in just a flow state. I'm in like a state of silence of ultimate being. So what actually, to answer your question, what the connection between that and how I am right now is that it turned from a necessary coping mechanism to muscle memory. I was doing it so much, so really... I, I remember my fraternity brothers, they always complained about me because, like, I I didn't hang out with them. Who's the weird kid? We had all of our brothers are cool, except for the one guy who just hides out in his room and makes music on his computer all day. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, like, in the end of the day, you know, we all have different priorities. I completely understand. But I would say, you know, the way I was treating beats at first was pretty irrational, just because when you irrationally interpret events and stuff like that you're going to make irrational decisions from them i'm just so happy that this decision that i made was to create rather than to consume so what do you mean you had an irrational perspective on your beats uh well it was literally like i felt like on god like 
if I didn't make a beat, I would remember, I would remember the anxiety and stuff like that, that I had after, after that traumatic event and stuff like that. Um, We're not going to go into too many details in that, but the essence of it was that you were hospitalized and when you were like, oh no, this was after that. Are we talking about something different? Oh, okay. Well, actually, to be honest, it's good you brought that up because that's what started it, right? Is you were just in bed, yeah. And you're like, well, yeah. What else do I do besides make music on my computer? So I was talking about what catalyzed it, but you're completely right. What actually started it was when my freshman year, I I was hospitalized for a major knee surgery, and I had to go back home to Memphis. Um, that's where I'm from because uh, I, I just couldn't focus on school with all the perkies they were giving me, and you know I wasn't living like future yet. Maybe in the future, uh, double entendre, I'm a rapper. Oh, uh. <laughs> um, no, nah, but it forced me to be in a sedentary position in my life where I could only be in my chair or I can be in my bed mm-hmm. when I was recovering and taking physical therapy. And now you voluntarily only live in your chair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I, I do exercise sometimes. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be wearing a, an elite level training shirt that I totally didn't buy at a thrift store. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, The muscle memory started there. I'd say the interest really started there too, Um, because I had no option to. I had no option but to learn what to do on my computer besides play War Thunder and Runescape. It got boring, man. I I sucked at it, so it was boring. Like I never got to the point where I was good at those video games. You didn't become ninja. Not at all. It's a sad lifestyle. Yeah, I know, but you know, whatever. I'll I'll get paid in a different way soon enough. Um, So you're in your room. Yeah, you're. Where I should say you were hospitalized, you really focus on making your music, uh-huh. you come back to school, you really put more of an emphasis on that. You approached me, we'd, we'd met each other like two or three times up uh-huh. until this point, but then we had a, a test together at the end of sophomore year of college. Mm-hmm. You come up to me and you say, hey, we should get lunch together. We're eating lunch and you say, what I really want to do with my life is I want to make music full time. That's all I want. To, I just want to sit down at my computer. I want to make music all day for the rest of my life. I said, Hey, you know what I want to do is I want to start up a business, you know, or I want to be a serial entrepreneur. I want to start Mm -hmm. up a few businesses so we can figure out how to work together. I can try to help you figure out how you can make music and make money on your music. So what we started doing is we started doing these recording sessions where you borrowed a mic from, from one of your fraternity brothers. Yeah, Ziggy, uh, shout out. Yeah, Ziggy. And that was, that was funny. We, we drove an, hour to go and get that microphone it was sitting right next to his garage bro and i remember once i saw that i felt like i saw an oasis Mm -hmm. like i've never seen a microphone that i could actually use in the past like before that um that was such an impromptu thing too it was just yeah it was like hey come pick up my microphone it's sitting right next to my garage bro oh we're at severeville okay yeah cool that's right by knoxville yeah it's right by the city like (laughs) it's not in the city uh no but i mean it's because of that that I got to know more of the recording side of things. Yeah, and that was I, there was there was a big event in between there. The first thing we st- we started to do because I'm a web developer, so we started up that website where we just put your beats online and we're like, how do we sell the beats? I don't even remember what we did. Were we sending links to people? Dude, I blocked that embarrassment out of my memory. <laughs> I don't even know what we were doing with that. I don't know if we were pushing that even. I think we literally just had the website. And we're like, okay, when did the sales roll in? Yeah, I, hey, come in, man. I'm, you're not paying rent, so come on. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we didn't spend a few hundred bucks on somebody else to build it, though. 
we have everything in house. Well, most things in house. Yeah, it's true. Every, oh, so that's that's another really big part, not just about hip hop and music producing, but about entrepreneurship in general. Mm-hmm. Is if you can't afford something, if you can't afford to pay a few hundred bucks for a website, or if you don't have a friend who can make you a clean website, I don't know. I'm we kind of lucked out that I had that skill because I'm yeah. I'm very technical in that in that field and you're very technical in your field with the music uh-huh. and the culture and the the genres and the people who are in the industry it's it's very interesting how our puzzle pieces fit and i think that's a very big part of entrepreneurship as well is having people who complement your skills because if we knew exactly the same thing how would we help each other how would we work together well also having people to complement your skills in the other sense of the word because you know you, you praise me <laughs> sometimes you and that goes a long way about it uh, i feel i feel good you know when you tell me you know i made a good beat and everything like that and i'm sure you feel good when i say you made a good website which is every single time by the way shout out to ford ford uh, vibe ford, and ford graphics ford vibe yeah yeah that's my website development company so we make the website, and actually what happened is we met, we met with our friend Joe, and we said, Joe, we know you're a salesman. Can you help us sell our beats to rappers? Yeah, that was awesome. He, ooh, he loved that. <laughs> no, he tore us apart. He's like, you guys have an awful business model. You don't know who your audience is. You're not reaching out to them. You're not networking. He's like, here's what you need to do. You don't need me. You need to completely rehaul your business model. And it was a lot to take. I thought he was the biggest dick at the moment, but it's because of him that I'm able to do what I'm doing right now. We were being a dick to him. He kept telling us, no, he's like, I'm not going to sell your beats. So we kept asking him, we're like, please sell our beats. Yeah, I know. We were at the point where we were begging him, bro. Like That was funny. Because, bro, I knew what was coming up. I knew I would have to make the decision if I was going to be in the corporate world or if I was going to do my own thing after college. Like, you know, I was coming to the point where I had to choose my major and stuff. So why not help my decision become something I want? that I like. I'd rather keep asking until somebody just flat out says like, you guys are awful. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Instead of just like hoping that they decide to work with us one day. You know? Look, he had to respect our persistence yeah. from a salesman. That's all I can say. Yeah. I, I still talk to him like a year and a half, two years later after that incident happened. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's not like, we, it's not like we cause any ill feelings. No, no. I mean, I think I definitely understood his point of view more when I did sales myself. Yeah. Well, and, uh, we took him very seriously. We did rehaul our business model after that conversation. Yeah. And what we did is that was that was the thing before we went, we got the microphone. And uh-huh. then when we had the microphone, we started getting other artists to come in and record over your beats. Right. That was um honestly that was that was the step that really brought it to that that um that point in my life. Yeah. That was a new level. Recording people, bro, like the amount of trust that someone has to have for me to spend their time and eventually their money, because at first I was doing it for free, mm-hmm. to spend their time in front of a microphone when I'm at the computer and I determine how that actually sounds. Well, bro, like it, it was a lot for me at the beginning. It was so much. And I, I definitely saw it as the next step because when I was making beats, I had unlimited time. Music production and audio engineering are not the same thing. So... They are and they aren't in the fact that you do have to do audio engineering to polish a music production. However, when it comes to, well, I'd have to say vocals are an instrument because think of the rapper. All they have to do, they can just think of one thing, put in a dope thing in there. Um, What I have to do, and more or less sometimes depending on the rapper, is I have to record it. I have to monitor the levels it's recording at, making sure it's all kosher going in. And also I need to make sure it sounds really good over the beat. So, um, in a sense, I'm using their vocals as an instrument and 
I'm treating it just like if I was mixing a piano into the beat. It's just a, a different kind of thing, and it, I'd say it's a little bit more complicated. Okay, yeah, it's it's definitely a whole skill set that you have to learn, at least a subset within music production if you're going to group them in together. Yeah. There is, I, I see. I hear what you're saying. There's a lot of overlay between them mm-hmm. because vocals are definitely an instrument into the, unto themselves. When when you're recording people in your studio, that was an interesting time because that was us playing around with the concept of how do we start generating income from music. So, mm-hmm. like you were saying, we we went out, we got the microphone, we got it, we had people coming in for free, and then we started doing five dollar sessions. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. Once we started doing five dollar sessions, did we lose anybody, or did everybody start paying five dollars? Uh, because I know we lost people when we went from five to ten dollars. Yeah, I, don't, I think five dollars was super reasonable. Yeah, um, I mean they'd spend that on weed. <laughs> Accurate. I mean shitty weed because Knoxville isn't the cheapest. It's not the most expensive, but I digress. So the people who are coming in, I I, I think I remember that the same way. Nobody, we didn't lose any customers when we said, "Hey, it costs five dollars now," but. When we went from five dollars to ten dollars, we we did grandfather people in. We said, "Hey, you've been paying five dollars. We're going to keep it to five dollars from you for you. But if you refer anybody else and everybody else we have coming in after you is not going to be paying ten dollars." We did that. That was like for another month, and then we bumped it up to fifteen dollars, twenty dollars, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And by the time it started getting up to twenty five dollars, when we kept bumping it because new people kept coming into the studio because you kept learning new stuff because. Uh, because Gabe gave us the scholarship where we bought the new computer. Shout out to Gabriel Valerio, a.k.a. Gabby. He's the man. Believed in me when I didn't even have a plan. Yeah, also just got us that chaotic eyeball that we had downstairs. And he's about to come through. Yeah, shout yeah, out shout to out. Gabe. Shout out. If he's watching this, man, te quiero, amigo. So he he gets us the equipment that we need. I put in money to get new speakers so we have a whole new setup. Of course, we're going to be charging more now because we have more professional equipment. You have mm-hmm. more experience working with people. You have more expertise in the software. I now. could justify the higher price, yeah. Yeah, and we did have to start reaching out to those people who we'd grandfathered in at five dollars and saying, uh-huh. like, "Hey, you know, you were the first people to start working with us, but we can't do five dollar sessions anymore." Yeah. After that point, we started losing people, but every time we lost people, we just found new people, which is not to say the. I, I wish we had the people that we were working with when we were five dollars. I really do. But you know, they're doing their own thing now. They are in their own lane, figuring it out for themselves. Some some people died off. I don't know where some of them are. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's every level you're gonna see people dying off. Every level you're going to lose people when you get to the next level. And that's just the price you have to pay. That's not just music either. That's entrepreneurship. Right. You know? Every time you level up, you're gonna find people who aren't gonna be taking life who aren't going to be taking the grind as seriously as you are. Right. And I think the level of investment, like monetary investment that they make in your brand in regard to buying studio time, buying beats and stuff, it does correlate with the amount of investment that they have. Mm -hmm. So both senses of the word, right? The money, but also emotional and stuff like that. Because if I, bro, if I pay $80 for something, you know, I'm going to try to finish it. I'm going to try to do it well, make the $80 worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just keep raising up levels and you know, I feel like I'm raising up levels consistently and stuff just because I know I'm going to keep doing this. Like I don't think I have a reason to stop. Now, if I did have a reason to stop, it should be some sort of traumatic event that cuts my hands off and cuts my ears off. But even then I'd probably put a balloon up to my head and do that <laughs> Beethoven shit. But like, uh, <laughs> Beethoven to Zaytoven, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, 
later on, it'll be at the point where I get such an incredible lifestyle from being at the level where the artists that are very loyal to me, because I was very loyal to them before they blew up, um, they're able to fly me to their studio. I'm able to travel all around and still do what I want. Like, I think uh, that would be the point before we start on our bigger plans. You know what's interesting is that you say that, but right now we're at a point where people are flying to see you. Right. And it's it's humbling. It's for real humbling because I never would have imagined that I could bring enough value to the table to justify that. I wanna I wanna talk about that for a second, because this is actually pretty crazy. So last week we had Kat Cherries, who was on our show on the yeah. first episode of Hip Hop Entrepreneurs. And shout out. Shout out Kat. <laughs> she had flown all the way across the country from Cali. Yeah. For the first time ever. Yeah, she'd never gone on a flight before. Yeah. And that was cool. Yeah. So this week, this weekend, we have uh, Gabe. Who two is the, people. Yeah. Technically, Richard. Yeah. Gabe flew up to New York from Tennessee, uh-huh. Knoxville, where we originally met him, where we originally knew him from. And he's going to be driving down from New York. Are, are him and Richard driving together? No. Actually, what's going to happen is he flew to New York, but I think he was only there for a day. He's. I think he's back in Knoxville now. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Is he flying back here? Yeah, I think so. What? Yeah, I, I don't know. I may be wrong, but like that's the impression I got because uh, I think he talked to Richard and stuff like that. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, Gabe. Um, but still, it's some investment likes too. Like, yeah, we'll have to figure that out. But he, if he's flying back just for you, that's a whole other thing that I didn't even know about. So yeah. Gabe is flying. Richard is driving down from New York. We're in Philly. You know, Philly to New York isn't like too, too far, but that's uh-huh. still a three, three-hour round trip, something like that. Yeah. So we have people coming in from, that's three different states right there. Yeah, and I was thinking about this the other day. When you think about what do you, what level do you have to be at for people to travel to see you? It's just it's just networking. It's just making those relationships and really really being about it. You know, like Gabe has supported you from day one when you were in that frat when right. you were in that frat house. It was before, bro. Even before, like I remember when we both met at a club at our university called Study Break. I don't know if it's still up right now, but um, I met him. It was falling apart last time I checked. Yeah, and if if it's still up, I feel like it is, but you know, I, I may be is. wrong. I may be wrong. But I hope somebody revamps that because it needs to be revamped. It's a good concept. It gave it gave people a way to network with other artists because at first, bro, um, that was sophomore year. I didn't know anybody else who made rap except for this one guy. Uh, Rajiv, shout out to Bottom Line. Um, RK Bottom Line. RK Bottom Line, sorry. But I met Gabe through there and he brought up that he has a studio, he had a studio with monitors in it. Now take into account that at the time I was producing off a stereo system. I can never envision monitors. I've never seen them except for Guitar Center. They're just too expensive for me. So he offered me an opportunity to come over to his house and just use them, just immerse myself in the environment. And bro, I have to tell you, the first time I walked in there, it was the most beautiful thing ever. That's how you knew you needed those Rocket Sixes. Dude, he had Yamahas, bro. Like, he had the better ones than what I have, man. I'm still blown away by that. Like, mm-hmm. But, like, regardless, like, yeah, now I have monitors, and this is the thing. He was able to inspire that interest, kind of like a parent putting their child into football. Because that child will develop an interest in football, hopefully, and then, you know, have a healthy outlet for the rest of their life, um, or at least be able to manifest into different things. Well, I felt like he was just showing me that sport and showing me that there's more out there and helped me manifest my vision to where I am now. So he always tells me, like, at first I was little bro, and now I'm big bro. 
because as of this point, he's flying over to record at my studio so I can audio engineer him, produce beats for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he really wants to be a uh, reggaeton singer and, you know, my Hispanic background, like, but I mean, for the record, like my mom listens to his music. Mm-hmm. Like he's um, good, bro. I like his music. Yeah, bro. Like he's got he's got a thing for it. Now, let me let me tie it back to you saying that everybody's flying over here. I can't tell you specifically the reason for each. Everybody has different reasons. However, the two commonalities is that being completely honest, at the very beginning when I was working with these artists, I, they were at a level where I had to help them out a lot, and. I'm not going to lie, being real with you, at first it was really frustrating because I've never been in that situation and I wanted to approach it as a professional, but also, you know, we all have, we only have so much patience. Um, but it turned out that they ended up learning it on their own because I helped them understand the value of certain things in a recording process to make it quicker and stuff. And I think that level of investment that I had in their brands, like doing a lot of stuff that I didn't get paid for. And I didn't expect payment for it's what caused them to trust me enough to fly over here. Sometimes you just need to be told the direction you should be looking in. Mm. Because I know when I was more into making music, I definitely didn't know about the engineering or the mixing side of things, which is why none of my stuff sounded half as professional as the stuff you can whip out in an hour. Hey, man, I just look at a composition. It was pretty solid. I got you. Mm -hmm. So... There's the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up the show is the current the current campaign that you're on because what what you're doing right now is insane. You're going out on Instagram primarily. I don't think you're doing Twitter or anything, are you? Um very occasionally. Very occasionally. So what you're doing is you're going out on Instagram and you're going through hashtags, you're looking up all these different posts, you are commenting, you are DMing people, you are video calling people, audio calling people, you're sending voice messages. You are just reaching out to as many different artists as you can possibly find. Yeah, and honestly, it was because I expected all these artists would come to me. That's not but the way they, the world works. They, no, they it's not. They will, but not not at first. Well, this is this is the thing. Brief I'm going to briefly touch on why I do this. It's because or why I can find a value. It's because I was doing door-to-door sales. And there was a point when I got frustrated when I didn't get sales and, you know, I was wondering about groceries for the week, although I had very bad spending habits. I'll just tell you that. Um, what I realized is because I wasn't knocking on enough doors. The more doors you knock on, inherently, you're going to have more paying customers, more relationships that you can build. So honestly, bro, like, like, it's that realization that keeps me grounded. Like, I'm not going to eat unless I do certain things. And if I do more of certain things, I made a little cheesecake after that dinner. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it's it's what I'm doing right now, and it's become muscle memory. Um, some days I have good days, some days I have bad days. But in the end of the day, I'm just I'm just trying to spread brand awareness, bro. Because when somebody sees my brand, what's going to cause them to click on it? Well, if they've seen it before. And these are these are very big concepts. But going a little smaller into some tactics. What you're doing when you message these people is you're sending them beat packs. So yeah. you're sending that, and you you had a professional email template designer actually put these together for mm-hmm. you. Where it's a, shout out to Kim. Shout out to Kim. I love you, Kim. I bet I she also heard love that. you, Kim. Oh she, yeah, uh, different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's my girlfriend. So, 
We uh, she put together this very well constructed email with uh, with a background design on on it and everything. It's like it's simplistic, but it's got different. What would you call it? Like st- it's got elaborations. It's it's aesthetic, artistic it's- emphases. Yeah. And there are buttons that are laid out, like check out this beat, this beat, this beat, this beat. And then it links you back to the Instagram at the end of it. Or I don't know if it links you back to the Instagram anymore. I know we were playing around with Multiple that platforms. Yeah, but it, it then redirects you. It says like, hey, t- reach back out to me on Instagram. Tell me which one was your favorite. You always get it, right? You're collecting emails while you're doing this. And then you can c- uh, continue to stay in correspondence with these rappers afterwards. So you have you have a whole system. You reach out to them, you get them in the email list, yeah, and you you get them to listen to your beats. A lot of the time, you get them to actually hop on a beat, whether it's a free version or whether it's a premium license version or an yeah, exclusive. just to work, yeah, yeah. You have you have a whole process. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I wasn't too serious about this before is because I had to bring a lot of work onto myself that I didn't need to. As of right now, there's so much stuff in my process that it takes a fourth of the time that it used to before and has greater benefit. So if I have these resources around me, so easy to just do one thing uh, a lot of times rather than two things less times. Let's let's end on this note. For a new music producer, because your your process is a little complicated at this point, there are a few people involved distributing on several platforms, talking with dozens of people. If you're a new music producer, what is and you have no process, mm. what is the first thing you should do to start beginning your process? What is the most important thing? The most important thing is find a team. Find people who aren't necessarily in it for the money. They're in it for the money to come. And they want to make money with you. And there's a lot of fakes. There's a lot of flakes. There's a lot of people who aren't about it. Just pushing past that and finding those golden people who not only you like being around, but also take it as seriously as you are, which I fortunately have found. Um, it It's vital because then you'll be able to do more work in a more efficient manner. So the way that I think about that, and th- this kind of comes back to a concept that you and I were talking about recently is put working together over anything else put working together over money put working together over well i guess money is really the only thing that would come with, come first right because if you're doing work you expect to be compensated so just figure out what what does the other person want how can you make them happy in a way that's not money if that's the only thing that you that you don't have at the moment is it you want uh you want equity do you want a share of the money that will come later do you do you just want to network? Do you just want to make that connection? Can I provide something for you, like like a service? Can I can I work? I don't, I don't know if it's another business owner. Can I do work for you in exchange for you helping me? Mm. Whatever it is, like figure out what the other person wants. Yeah, right. Because there's a lot of situations where one person gets the benefit of the other person's work, and the other person who's working gets the benefit of a pat on the back. Yeah. And I think. Right, money isn't everything, but people have bills to pay to be able to have those people dedicate more time that they would spend like working and stuff like that. There has to be some financial compensation, at least down the line. Um, I'm fortunate to be able to provide that right now. I'm just at that level, but I knew before it was different. It was more so of belief that I'm grateful to have had in my brand. And that's why we're at right where we're at right now. Completely. And th- when you think like what's what's behind every deal, what's behind every transaction? People. 
if you're focusing on money, if you're focusing on the deal or the sale or whatever you're trying to do, you're not gonna you're not gonna end up making it happen. You have to focus on the person behind it because people are everything. Yep. Yep. People are everything. All right. This has been the Hip Hop Entrepreneurs Podcast, Episode Two. My name is Matt. My name is Mr. Resonant. And we are signing off right after a couple social plugs. What is your Instagram? My Instagram is R-E-Z-O-N-E-N-T, Resonant. And my Instagram is Matt, M-A-T-T dot M dot Young, Y-O-U-N-G. All right, guys, we're peacing out. Skr, skr.